Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Just Films and That with me, Josh Hallam. And me, Alice Oliver. This is the podcast where we talk about films that we think are underrated, underappreciated, or we just wanted to talk about them. We're also going to get stuck into some classic films that one of us maybe hasn't seen and maybe throw in some great guests along the way. So, we'll start, as we do every week, with a completely random question. Alice, what is your, or who is, should I say, your favourite superhero? So, I do always say Superman when presented with this question. This is mostly a nostalgia thing. So, I loved the Superman films uh, when I was younger, the ones with Christopher Reeves. I thought he was brilliant. And then I didn't really... Like, I wasn't that exposed to many other superheroes. So for years and years, I was just like, well, Superman's the only superhero for me. But, you know, I feel like that is possibly a bit of a boring answer because he is, you know, debatably the most powerful. Like, he is the Man of Steel and maybe one of the most popular. So I just feel like a bit lame when I say that because there are so many to pick from as well and so many more with, like, a more interesting powers. Like, The Flash is obviously very interesting, you know, being able to run very, very fast, and that's very cool. Um, but no, because of Christopher Reeves and then because of Henry Cavill, who is brilliant Superman, um, I, I just tend to go with Superman. But I, I want to see more dark Superman content. Like, I want to mm. see Superman going insane. You know that bit at the end of Zack Snyder's Justice League mm. where it's kind of a bit of a dystopic future yeah, and the yeah, Joker yeah. was there and they're sort of t talking about how Superman went crazy because Lois Lane died. I want to see that. Mm. I want that film. Like the just um, the Injustice Games. That's that's that. Is that that's, what that is? Yeah, so here's like, another yeah. thing as well. So my my I have no comic book knowledge. I've never sort of delved that far into it. So my superhero knowledge in general is quite superficial. So mm. who's yours? Um. Well. So my my guy's Batman. Yeah. So I love. Which, so uh, which iteration is your favorite? As in, like which film set or? of films? Yeah. Which uh, actor oh, is the best gosh. Batman? Actor. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, I, 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 you're going to say live action, right? I can't say the cartoons. You can say whatever you want, Josh. Well, There's in that case, no rules. In that case, it's <laughs> Kevin Conroy because the games and the cartoons are the best. 
representation of like what okay. I like as Batman. I do like Christian Bale, but then the voice mm. just gets ridiculous by the end of it. <laughs> it by the end of it, like yeah. it's it's like he's trying to see how far um how far he can push it. I mean, I like loads of superheroes. Um I do, but Batman's my guy. And I know people might pull me up on this. I'm sorry. I know you're thinking he's not a superhero because he hasn't got any powers. Um it's my choice. I don't really care what you think. I think he is a superhero because not many other people could do what he does. Uh, well, if you're going to sit definitely... there and disrespect Batman to me, then we're going <laughs> <laughs> to fall out. So we'll move on to talking about this week's film, which is Terminator Salvation from 2009. Um, so spoiler warning if you've not seen it. Um, Alice, pretty interested to get into this one, if I'm honest. What, so what's it about and why did you pick it? So Terminator Salvation is, it's the fourth film in the franchise. And it's basically what has happened after Judgment Day. So you see in Terminator 1, Terminator 2, they're trying to stop this thing called Judgment Day with the robots Skynet take over and basically go on a mission to try and destroy humanity. So we're thrown into the narrative of that has kind of already happened and is still in the process of happening. So we follow John Connor, who, if you know the Terminator films, is the man. So we get to see him finally as a grown adult, played by Christian Bale, and he is leading the resistance to fight back against Skynet. Uh, so we're following him. There's a few pockets of resistance around North America. It's predominantly set in Los Angeles. They're like the LA division of the resistance. Um, and they sort of stumble upon who they believe to be a man who is actually sort of cyborg, half man, half robot. He's been created to try and infiltrate John Connor and the resistance. And his name's Marcus, but he doesn't know that he's a robot. So there's a bit of conflict because he's trying to help the resistance. And John Connor's like, no, we think you're evil. You're a cyborg <laughs> and all this. And um, so it's just kind of about how they try and go about defeating Skynet and, and kind of, um, oh, what's the word? overcoming their adversaries is that yeah, is, is that yeah. What just winning the war basically <laughs> yeah they basically just want to win the war against the robots and against skynets and you get lots of terminators lots of guns lots of explosions great big action film um the reason i picked it was because i can't pick terminator 2 can i in good conscience terminator 2 is neither underseen nor underrated but it is if if not, no, it is my favourite film of all time. It's a brilliant story, brilliant actors. I just love it. Obviously, huge nostalgia for me again because I see it when I was so young. Um, so I couldn't in good conscience pick that, but maybe one day as like a film I just really wanted to talk about. So I thought Terminator Salvation, interesting, right? Because Terminator 1 was great, Terminator 2 was fantastic, and then Terminator 3 was a huge letdown for me. And I had really, you know, high expectations. I was excited to see the sort of next step in the franchise and I was massively disappointed. So then when Terminator Salvation come out, I was like, right, here we go. Is this just going to be, you know, just the same tired old stuff? What are we going to get that's different? Is it going to be any good? And I had such low expectations that when I did go and see it, I was really impressed. Um... And I, but obviously, you know, having low expectations, that, that can sort of do that to you or whatever. Uh, but I'd only seen it once and I was like, need to watch it again, you know, need to watch it with that critical eye and, and knowing that we're going to discuss it in length and just try and assess how, sort of how good it is as a film, but also how good it is as a Terminator film. So I will, I will say as well, so Terminator for me 
is like how I think Star Wars is for a, a lot of people, like the, for how, how Star Wars fans feel about Star Wars. I didn't really see Star Wars when I was a kid. I see it much later on and thought it was okay. But for me, Terminator was the thing that I saw as a kid and I just thought was the coolest. And I thought Sarah Connor was the coolest. And obviously I really fancied John Connor when he was a kid, but I was like <laughs> six or seven years old, so it's fine. Um, but yeah, anyway. So had you seen this one before, Josh? Uh, yes, I had, yeah. So, so I saw this at the cinema um, and I just and I don't think I'd watched it since. So I, I remember going to the cinema to watch it, just thinking it was, it was good, it was okay. It was a good sort of sci-fi action film. So I went into this really interesting to know what you picked. I suspected it probably was because you had a, and I know you have a love for the franchise and it's interesting to hear you say that like this is your franchise because I would say it's not many people, Not I mean, it's, it's a very successful franchise, but you know, like a lot of people go to Star Wars or James Bond or um, like, you know, that sort of thing. So I figured that's why you picked it. So I went into it having seen it before, thinking it was um, sort of a serviceable, decent action film. Obviously, it's famous for a few things because it's famous for being the only Arnie-less Terminator film in a physical sense. And it's obviously famous for the the leaked video, um, which, you know, that's been raked over, I'm sure, by many people. And we're not, you know, I'm, we're not, I'm not here to go into that. But obviously, that very much is something that has followed the film through through since its release. So, it, yeah, so I went into it thinking, I wonder how this has aged. I wonder how I will feel about it. Because I know it wasn't, like, massively critically well-received. Because, um, obviously, they, I think they inten intended this to be the the start of a new trilogy of Terminator films set in that future, uh, which we didn't really get. Obviously, there's been two more sequels since then, but they very much don't really... I don't think they really relate to this in any way, do they? I mean, I've seen... The fifth one. I haven't seen the sixth one yet. I haven't got round to it. You, you know what? As well with the sixth one, I like I started watching it and I had to stop because it was so bad. Really? Is it that bad? Yeah, yeah. And I, I, it might just be me. I don't know. But there's something about and they they did this a bit with uh, Harrison Ford's Han Solo in Star Wars, mm. and I assume they're going to do it a little bit with him in Indiana Jones as well, which aren't films that I'm familiar with. But it just feels like so. They obviously got Linda Hamilton back to do that, and they do this thing where they try and get older actors to recreate the character they were when they were 25 years old. Yeah. You see Carrie Fisher kind of had to do it as, as Princess Leia in, mm. in the Star Wars films. And it just doesn't work. And it feels kind of awkward and it feels kind of uncomfortable. So instead of, you know, going for this kind of, you know, the wisdom and the experience of these older characters and leaning into the fact that they're old and just accepting that, hey, actors grow old too. Sorry about that or whatever. They just try and recreate the kind of the spirit and the energy of when they were, you know, in their 20s, in their yeah. 30s or whatever. For me, that just doesn't work. So yeah, I, I wasn't able to watch it all the way through. I didn't see the fifth one. I think that was, is that Terminator Genesis? Yeah, um, I actually watched didn't it. see that one. I watched it after we watched this, just out of interest to see. Oh, did you? Oh, interesting. It was more just to see, like, where does it go from here? Mm. And um, it's okay. It's yeah. it's not, like, anything to write home about. But I know what you mean. What I think it's that thing of they try and recapture that lightning in a bottle, a moment mm -hmm. in time mm -hmm. type thing. And it's just, sometimes it works a bit better. Like, I do think in the, so I know you're not that familiar with the Star Wars films, but in, in The Force Awakens, I think it does work quite a bit with having Han Solo in it. Um, but that's only because of what 
than they do with him. I think by Again, I'm not going to spoil anything if you've not seen The Force Awakens, but they give his character some closure to his story, and I think that's mm. a, that's interesting. But but anyway, we're not here to talk yeah. about that. We're here to talk <laughs> about Terminator. So so having watched it again, then what did you think? What did you like? I was, I think on on the whole, I was happy with it, and I was impressed. So it's obviously very exciting to finally see the the effects of Judgment Day to finally see what exactly that means and to kind of get to know the enemy a bit more because until that it's a bit of a faceless enemy like you hear Skynet you know it's these guys then they're creating these chips and then they make robots and then they're trying to kill John Connor and all this and you don't really have a full understanding of what all that means of what all that looks like and so in this you just you get to see it like judgment day has happened and here is the fallout and it is so unbelievably bleak like Everything is destroyed. Like, society, civilization is unrecognizable completely. Buildings have been destroyed. There is no vegetation. There is no wildlife. Everything is just awful. It's all just mechanical, and it's fire, and it's gray, and it's dusty. Like, the whole film is, like, it's gray. Like, it's got a gray filter on it or something. Like, it just... No colours are vivid. Nothing, you know, the contrast is just, like, so, so low and all this. So that had quite a big impact on me, I think. And it does a really good job at just really painting this incredibly bleak picture that then retroactively gives some credence to the first films, especially the first two. And it's like, oh God, this is what they're trying to stop. And you get many moments where John Connor is listening to a tape of his mum, Sarah Connor, just trying to kind of explain everything that's going on, explain why she did what she was doing, what his role in this whole thing is. And we see that in Terminator 1, at the end of Terminator 1, when Linda Hamilton's character is talking into a tape recorder. So it's quite nice to get that sort of, that kind of bridge between the between the sort of um, timelines, I suppose. Um, so yeah, just great to see kind of all that unfolding, great to kind of understand sort of what Skynet is. I like that the... So we get so many different iterations of these robots, of these Terminators. There are sort of flying aircrafts that shoot you from the air. Then there are ones that are in the water, shooting at you in the water. And there's ones that are carrying motorbikes. And then there's the robotic-looking ones that are very similar to what Arnie's robot was. Or it is those things, actually, I think, the T-800s, what we saw of him in Terminator 1. So it's interesting to see all them. They're all very uniform. They've all got that very... Um, just mechanical, just kind of the bare bones look of a robot. They've done away with all like the skin and the meat and the blood of it. It's like they don't care if they look like humans anymore. We're not trying to infiltrate, you know, we're not trying to, you know, sneakily, you know, murder Sarah Connor in a nightclub and go unnoticed or whatever. They're just like, they're just killing machines. Obviously, you get a bit of a difference with Marcus, who is this sort of human-robot hybrid. Um, But he's a very interesting character as well because he doesn't know... So Marcus doesn't know that he's a robot. In the at the very beginning of the film, we see him, he donates his body to science or like donates his body to Skynet's cause or whatever. He's in prison anyway for murder and then this is his way of, I guess, kind of getting a bit of redemption or whatever. But then he wakes up in in, in 2018. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> so futuristic. Um, so he wakes up there, he does know, he kind of does know what's happened, doesn't know where he is, doesn't know that he's a robot and all this. 
and he's trying to convince when he comes across like John Connor and and um and his pocket of resistance he's trying to convince them that like he's the good like he's not there you know um to be their enemies not there to kill them and all this and you've got this just cuz John Connor and Sarah Connor and you know everyone kind of from those iterations of the film you would have such distrust of anything that even remotely looks like a robot. Mm. And you kind of see this conflict within John and he has to sort of come to terms with that. But it turns out Marcus, even though technically, you know, he was made to infiltrate and all this, blah, 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 he is a bit of a good guy. And uh, he does sacrifice himself at the end to save John Connor's life because he's got a human heart and he transplants that over to John Connor. So he saves the day in the end. So so he does get his redemption, which was the thing that he was looking for anyway. Um, I like that... You kind of deal with some themes sort of surrounding faith and logic and the kind of battle that comes between them. So you've got John Connor, who one of his main missions is that, oh, I should have said this in the synopsis, but here we go, I'll tell you now. One of his main missions is to keep <laughs> Kyle Reese alive, who, as we know, is his dad. And obviously he has to stay alive because he goes back to Terminator 1 to have sex with his mom and then John Connor can be born. And he believes that. He believes that so much that that is the thing that's going to happen. And it is like this prophecy that his mum has told him about, that she's left him on this tape recorder just to be like, you need to ensure that Kyle Reese survives and that he is the one to come back in time. And John just follows this blindly. And then you've got his boss, his commander, General Ashdown, who's played by Michael Ironside, who's actually in charge of the resistance. He's the one who gives the orders. There's a bit of a disconnect between them because he's only ever doing it over a walkie-talkie. And we find out, I think towards the end that he's in a submarine, like at the bottom of the ocean or whatever, because the Terminator send send whatever it is they send to go and blow that up. And you just get this interesting conflict between those two because John is going at it like he just believes that this is what's going to happen. He believes in this time travel. He believes that this is the way to do. But General Ashdown has no evidence that that is what's going to work. So he has to go off logically what he needs to do as a commander as a general you know no i need to kill these enemies now you know i need to blow up skynet now and all this blah 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 and john's like no kyle reese is in there and whatever so that's very interesting i'll calm down a bit now <laughs> i was like going into this i was like oh have i got enough to say and i'm like oh yeah actually bloody hell already said tons anyway josh how did you feel about it? Seeing it second time, like me as well, which is interesting. How did you feel coming away from it? Um, <laughs> oh, I know. Um, went on not as passionate there. as Christ. you. No, not not as passionate as you. No, look. Overall, I thought it was <laughs> all right. I thought it was. I thought it was on. It was on the good side of all right. I think is is, is how I would I would describe it. I think the yeah. main thing I took away from it is a is similar to what you were saying, which is it looks brilliant. I think it's it's quite an assault on the senses in, in points. You know, it's very immersive action. You're right up in every action scene that happens. And it's pretty non-stop when it comes to action, really. There's not that many scenes of sort of just talking. There's a lot of just, you know, go, 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 go. I think the production design um, is brilliant. I really enjoyed all the different designs of the robots. I really enjoyed that bleak future that we get. I think it looks really... Um, cinematic I think it's got quite an epic feel to it you know like it opens and it's and it's you know one of the opening scenes is john connor and he's he's lighting up all these sort of dark shafts and underground caves and caverns with flares and i think that looks really cinematic and i know a lot of films that came out around this time get a lot of criticism because i think they all look quite similar 
They all have like a bit of a gray sheen to them, a bit of a bleak sheen to them. And I get that criticism of some films, but this for me, it, it suits the future that it's showing you. So I don't think it's really fair to say that about this. Not that I particularly heard that said about this film. I just know that around that time, there was a lot of films that was like, oh, it's just this, it's just a grey future and there's just, you know, CGI fight at the end and all that sort of thing. I thought the music was great. I mean, Danny Elfman, you know, he's Mr. Consistent, one of the top composers, you know, never go, you can't go wrong with Danny, can you? Um, do, 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 do. I mean, cla- do, 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 do. classic. Oh, um, iconic. Gives me goosebumps. Gives me goosebumps when I hear it. My one regret in life is that I could not see Terminator 2 in the cinema. <laughs> I mean, I would I would have been one. <laughs> yeah, 1991 it came out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I love some of, the, some of the action sequences. Like I said, like, if you mix sort of the action sequences combined with the production design, the sound editing, and some of the camera stuff. Like, I really enjoyed the scene where they get caught at the barn with some of the other sort of people who are just surviving and then they make their escape as that big sort of grabby crane robot is picking people up and then they're followed by the robot bikes on the, on the van. Like, I really enjoyed that because it goes quite... There's bits where they use some sort of handheld camera work and steady cam mm-hmm. and stuff like that and it and it's really, like, it's quite intense action scenes. You're, like, you're right in there with the action. It's a bit like a video game points, really. So, overall, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I did enjoy, it. like, some of the... <sighs> Some of the acting will come on to, but there's some really great pieces of casting in there. Like, I think Anton Yelchin, I think that's how you say it, is particularly mm. good as Kyle Reese. Obviously, mm. it's a real shame what happened to him, um, which, again, we're not going to go into, but do do Google him because I think it's really, it's very, very, very sad because he gives such a likable performance and you think, you know, what could he have gone on to do um, mm. had he still been with us um, stuff like that so no overall overall enjoyed it I think it's quite quite depressing that we're now three years after the future that this yeah. is set in um, yeah I was mad when that came out it's like what year is this it's like 2018 <laughs> like whoa <laughs> yeah and I, so, so I, I'm the opposite not, well not the opposite end of the scale for you I haven't seen that much of the Terminator films I don't actually know if I've ever watched the first one start to finish I've seen the second one. I think, you know, it is the template for how you make a blockbuster. Um, but again, I don't actually know if I've ever if I've ever sat, watched Terminator 2 from start to finish, or if I've watched it in bits over the years and pieced it all together. Either way, you know, it is phenomenal, you know, as you've as you've sort of said many times. Uh, I've seen the third one. As I've already said, I've seen the fifth one, but I'm not like a every time a new Terminator film comes out, do you know what I mean? So I'm not that immersed in the world or invested in it, but I did enjoy. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Some of the tongue-in-cheek sort of callbacks to the other Terminator films in this. And I know that it'd probably be quite easy to be a bit eye-rolly over that, but I quite like things like, you know him saying, come with me if you want to live, or um, the way, even the way, like, he he reloads a shotgun the way Arnie does in the second one, doesn't he? Um, Or even the fact that, and I go, the the most on-the-nose one is probably at the end where John Connor says, I'll be back. Mm. That was a bit... That one... Go on, sorry, go on. No, no, I was going to say, that one was a little bit like, they've realised they've got to get that in there, and they haven't quite figured it out, and it was a bit like, but I didn't mind it, you know? It's, It's a wink and a nod, isn't it? Yeah, but th- when he did that, I didn't actually think it was as cheesy as it could have been. No. And when when he says, um, come with me if you want to live, that felt a bit shoehorned in. Mm. And in some of the other films, in the in the sixth one, in Dark Fate, they, they shoehorn both those lines in, I think, and it just feels really unnatural and, and grim. Um, but no, because the, there are these Terminator tropes, aren't there? Mm. They're, they're things that they just have to get into every film. It's A lot of it is... It's the music, mm. motorbikes, I'll be back, come with me if you wanted to live, lava, sparks, metallic things, like... Leather um, jackets, just, just sunglasses. Leather jackets. Oh, someone being naked and have to take clothes off someone else yeah. to get themselves dressed. You know, a man out of time. It had all the Terminatory things. And even... So, you know, obviously, they've got to think about getting it in, but it didn't always feel that forced... And it did sort of work within the world that they've mm. created. Mm. So I was happy about that because it could have gone really badly, I think. Mm. Well, I enjoyed, so I enjoyed, I enjoyed the callbacks, but I also enjoyed things like, obviously this had, I think that this had quite a difficult job really because the first three are all essentially time travel movies. And this is the only one I think with no time travel in it. Mm-hmm. So it's just essentially a futuristic sci-fi war film, isn't it? So it had a quite a lot to do in the sense of like showing this future that had been building up and building up in cinematic history for, you know, 30 years or whatever it would have been at the time. But I quite like things like showing that John Connor in it isn't actually the big boss leader of the leader of the resistance, is he? He is a guy who's sort of like a mid-ranking guy with his own squad. 
and he's constantly at loggerheads with his with his boss because it's like stone cold logic of this general who's just trying to win this war and this idea of like fate and you know time travel and I'm meant to be and destiny and all that sort of thing. So I quite like the fact that it shows him having like a cult like following. Mm. Uh, a little bit like I suppose they did with Neo in the in the Matrix sequels, which I know some people don't like, but there is that thing of like he is the this godlike figure, and some people mm. are very much like that's a load of bollocks. That I don't believe that cold hard logic, and some people are like no, I'm, I'm going to follow this guy, believe in his cause, all that sort of thing. I enjoyed that. I, I like that some thought had gone into well, where would his actual place be in in the world? Mm-hmm. And there is. I thought there were a lot of similarities uh, to the first Matrix in particular, like just kind of the way it looked and the way it felt um, and that sort of battle you get kind of between logic and between, you know, just blind Mm. faith. Man versus machine. Yeah. yeah. It's like they've all got to believe in Neo and then he's got to believe in himself Mm. for any of this to even work. And it's almost the same as John Connor because so much of it, like it's very fragile. The whole thing of it is so fragile because if this doesn't happen, like if Kyle Reese doesn't get to go back in time, if John Connor doesn't get to be born, then the fate of humanity, you know, it, is it doomed? Like, mm. is there anyone else who who is going to be able to save the day? You don't know. And they spend the first few films obviously building up, like the names, just the names alone, John Connor and Kyle Reese, like they were said a lot in this film. Yeah. Like so many times. Like how many times can we get them to say John Connor? And it's like, oh, about 50 million in the space of an hour and a half. Um, But they're so synonymous with the franchise mm. and they just carry so much weight with them as well. And if you have been watching the films like since the first one in in the 80s, like I can't even remember what, when it was, but I think it was the early to mid 80s, wasn't it? Terminator 1 came out, was it? Yeah, yeah. Um, And it just you just feel so much and like because Kyle Reese in that first film as well he is he is a very likable character um and so to kind of see him as this teenager as well it was just really interesting for me and it just it it struck a lot more chords with me than I I thought it was going to I think let's move on to talk about anything that you perhaps didn't like or that you changed. So is there much for you? Is there much that you didn't like? So I could have done with more character development, I think, mm. from some of the others. Like you've already touched on that uh, it is very it is very much an action film. Yeah. And there were very long action sequences. I imagine the script itself wasn't very long because um, there were so many sequences where it was just action happening. And so I didn't... I like the relationships between uh, the people in the resistance, like they just didn't feel that sort of strong and therefore it all felt very low stakes. Yeah. Like I wasn't really going to be bothered if any of them died. You know, we've got John Connor, he's got a, a wife who's pregnant and like I didn't really care about her. Um, there's a woman called Blair Williams who, so she is the first one to discover Marcus, who's this cyborg, you know, robot, human hybrid or whatever. And when she takes him back to their base, John Connor, you know, like ties him up, you know, potentially going to start torturing him, interrogating him, whatever. And then Blair releases him and then sort of runs away with him. Mm. And it was like, 
Uh, so hang on a second. How long have you been fighting with these resistance guys? Yeah. Like John Connor's your leader and you've literally just betrayed them after knowing this guy for, is it a day and a half yeah. until this happens? So for me, that was a bit like, I don't buy it. No, I know what you mean. Like, I just wouldn't I have believed mean. that. And, and like, John Connor is absolutely in the right to be distrusting of him. Yeah. And it turns out that, you know, he was created by Skynet in the end very much to infiltrate and very much to be their enemy. Um, so that was just a bit, like, you, you know in The Matrix, right, when Scyther um, betrays his team, so betrays mm. Morpheus, Trinity, Neo, and all that, that's a great bit of betrayal. And you just buy it because they've spent enough time um, you know, showing his unhappiness with the situation. He wants to go back into the Matrix and all this. So when the betrayal happens, it's a bit like, ooh, nice. But when this happened, there, there just needed to be more substance to it. Not just, oh, I met a guy, he's kind of hot, so I'm going to betray my cause completely yeah. because I want him to go and run free. And then it's like, but then also run free into what? Where's he going to go? There's nowhere to go. Like, if you're not in the resistance, you're dead, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. I think there is there is a lack of character development. And the main one for me, um, I hadn't really considered the, the Blair Williams character, but the main one for me is Marcus. So I think it's, mm -hmm. it's almost like they couldn't decide whether it's a film about Marcus or a film about John Connor. And there's not really room in it for both. I think if they were going to do it, I wonder if actually it was meant to be about Marcus. And perhaps they beefed up the John Connor role because perhaps they got Christian Bale. And you got to bear in mind this time, Christian Bale was the hottest property in the world. I mean, he was Batman. He was fresh off the Dark Knight. He was he was huge. I mean, he still is, but he was proper leading man, buff, handsome Christian Bale at this point. Not, you know, Oscar winning, losing, gaining weight, proper serious actor Christian Bale. Or, well, he was both, but you know what I mean? He was a hot property at the time. So I wonder if they've beefed his role up because they got him. Because I know originally they offered Marcus to him. And he would prefer, he apparently preferred to play John Connor or, or so I've read. And it's like they can't decide what to be. So I think if, if it's Marcus that you're going with, and it seems that is the intention, that's what I got anyway, is that I'd like to have had a bit more sympathy for him. Because he is, you know, all you get is that he's a murderer and that he's killed... Mm possibly a couple of police officers and his brother. But it's hinted that it's an accidental thing. So, you know, you need to explain that because I want to be able to feel sympathy for this guy that he's almost wrongfully accused or some horrible thing has happened to him and he's ended up being accused of something that he didn't do. And if that's the case, you know, give me a little scene at the beginning of him, you know, doing something, something going wrong and him then getting convicted of this crime that he didn't really commit. You know, something like that. But... Actually, you just get him being an almost, rem almost remorseless killer who donates his body to, to science, and it's a bit, you know, well, why should I give a shit that you're mm -hmm. you're unhappy that you've been turned into a robot? I don't, you know, and I think a little bit more of that would have been good. I'm not gonna lie. Look, I'm not in the business of criticizing actors, but his accent isn't great. It does slip into Australia at times. It's weird with Sam Worthington because he was like the biggest film star in the world for 18 months. And like, where is he? I don't understand like what happened. I mean, he's in Avatar. I believe there's some Avatar sequels coming out. Either two, three, oh, 400,000 yeah, Avatar sequels. I don't know. Apparently we've got, <laughs> apparently we've got loads coming. Cameron again. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> apparently we've got loads coming and he's going to be in them. So maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe he'll come back into the limelight. But yeah, mm -hmm. so I did think, I, I completely agree with you. There's a little bit of, 
lack of character development. I think there's also, there are points where it's a little hard to follow. Whether that's because, I don't know if you can enjoy this without having seen the others. Now, obviously, it's part of a franchise, but I do think when you're making films in a franchise, you should really be able to enjoy it that film for its own merits. Where, But then I also suppose there are films that have been released since that, you know, you can't really enjoy Endgame as to the full extent of what it's intended to be if you haven't watched at least, you know, three or four other films. So I do, I do understand that it's part of a franchise. It's made for the fans of that franchise. So maybe, maybe I'm talking absolute bollocks when it comes to that. But I do think there's probably some things that you wouldn't necessarily be able to follow if you hadn't watched at least the second Terminator film. Um, and the the gravitas of the names Kyle Reese and John Connor are because of what has happened yeah. in the previous films. Like you say that about Endgame. Like you could watch Endgame and appreciate it visually. Yeah. Like visually, it's very spectacular, but you wouldn't get you know be involved in all the nuances of the characters and the relationships and you yeah. know the films and films of character development and relationship development that went on there. And um, so I do. And if if you did watch this just as a standalone film, it's just kind of like a Michael Bay action film, yeah, really. Yeah. It's just like big explosions, like fast vehicles, lots of guns or whatever, um, and not much substance to it. But because you've got that prior knowledge and you already know what the substance is, you know that like humanity is riding on this because we've seen it. Like we had Sarah Connor's vision in Terminator 2 and all this. That is what's informing your knowledge of it all. And for me a lot of the enjoyment of it. Yeah. And I don't know if you hadn't seen those films, if you would get that same enjoyment. No, I, I agree. And I think perhaps just a bit more exposition could have done it a little bit more. Could have done it some good, I think. So uh, we'll move on to talking about the critical reception in a moment. Uh, but Alice, I believe you've got a journey to take us on. Indeed, Josh. Follow me now and listeners down the rabbit hole for this bit that we're going to call Alice Down the Rabbit I'm Hole. Ready. So, I'm ready. <gasps> strap in. Oh, God. <laughs> we're going to talk about the actor who plays Blair Williams, Moon Bloodgood. Unsurprisingly, during the opening credits, his name really stood out to me. So I just had to find out more about the woman with six O's in her name. Moon was born in Nebraska in the 70s and moved to California soon after. Moon's career and performance started when she joined the Laker Girls, the cheerleading squad with the LA Lakers basketball team, who are known for being, and I quote, as talented as they are sexy. Other notable Laker Girls include Paula Abdul, Shelby Rabara, and Anne Fletcher. In pursuit of a successful movie career, she made appearances in a few not so massive films, eventually finding her stride in the world of television with regular work in Falling Skies and Code Black. When speaking about Terminator Salvation, she said she loved the Terminator films growing up and wasn't sure where the story could go now or what could be achieved that James Cameron hadn't already done. But she said she just had to see what happened to John Connor. When remarking on Christian Bale's notorious outburst, she said she had missed it as she was in her trailer and didn't want to watch the footage, saying that from what she had witnessed, Bale was a very sweet and cordial man. And that was Alice Down the Rabbit Hole. <sighs> I cannot tell you the amount of times someone has said about me that I am as talented as I am sexy. Oh, I can believe it. Um, I can believe it, Josh. it is uh, <laughs> never. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, it's, I'm, sure, I mean, I'm sure I've said it at least twice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I wasn't in the room, but... Um, <laughs> no, but, I mean, that's, uh, that's a great name, though, isn't it? That's a movie star name, Moonblood Good. It, that was the thing that drew me to it. And that is her... So Moon is her... It's her middle name. Right. Uh, but it right. is her name. And Bloodgood is Dutch. So it's like 
Bloodgood. Ah, something see, like that. Yeah, but yeah. I see. Yeah, really, as soon as I see it in the opening credits, I was like, ooh, she's the one for me. Well, um, well let's see if the critical reception is blood good <laughs> or oh, blood bad. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how do you think it did critically? Probably, like, not terrific. Mm. Um, like, if I was going to mark it, like, I wouldn't mark it too high the only reason that i liked it so much was because my expectations were so low in the first place yeah. um i would probably give it like a high six i imagine it maybe got like a low six like maybe you're looking at sort of 6.1 6.2s well so at the time of recording on imdb it gets 6.5 out of 10 okay on rotten tomatoes the audience give it 54 percent, and the mm. critics give it mm, 33%. Ah, oh, ouch. So, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'd say that the, the critics score on Rotten Tomatoes is probably quite harsh. I think, I'd say it's a solid six, something like that, but it's not, it's not 33% bad, you know? It's a, it's a perfectly serviceable, you know, action film. It, yeah, I think that critic score is really, really harsh, and I wouldn't even say the audience score is a little low as well. This film... This film had to happen. Mm. Like, I had to see it. Like, in, in what, one iteration or another, I had to see what the post-judgment day looked like. What was this catastrophe we were trying to avoid, you know? And I feel like it delivered on that. Mm. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, I actually think it probably, in the grand scheme of things, did enough to start a new trilogy of Terminator films set in that future. What about you? I mean, I definitely would have, like, watched it and given it a go. Um, cause yeah. it, it does finish very open-ended, like Skynet yeah. still exists. They've only destroyed kind of one, uh, like, um, just kind of one computer site or whatever the crap <laughs> it is, like just one factory. Um, and they say like, oh no, there's still so much more work to do. Yeah. And you know, Jonathan, John, Jonathan Connor. Full name. What? F full name. <laughs> what Jonathan. the hell? Why am I full name? <laughs> Jonathan, that come Jonathan from? Jonathan Connors. Jo uh... Jonathan Connor. Uh, son of Sarah Connor and Cal Reese. Um, he, you know, he survives and yeah, he gets stabbed in the heart or whatever, but he, you know, he, he gets to live at the end and his story is still going. And that version, that world is still ongoing. Um, so yeah, I, th I think it could have done. I don't know now, cause I feel like for me, Christian Bale was a real treat as John Connor. I am a huge Christian Bale fan anyway. I think he's just utterly convincing as an actor. You can always tell he's working so hard. And I think he was a brilliant casting for that. And I'm so glad. I didn't know that he was almost going to play Marcus, but I'm really glad that he did end up playing John Connor. Um, so yeah, I think, I think there was a lot of potential within it and that to a certain extent it did deliver. And I would absolutely 100% say that it is underrated. I'd agree. I'd agree. Underrated. Uh, so there we go. Another one for the still growing underrated pile. Um, if you could take a little minute to give us a review, we'd very much appreciate it. Um, or tell a friend or hit subscribe. Any of that stuff, it helps other people find out what we think uh, of Terminator Salvation and helps other people hear about Alice's rabbit hole. If you'd like to get in touch with us, it's filmsandthatpod at gmail.com. Uh, we're on all the social medias, just films and that, uh, or just films and that pod. Uh, or the website is just filmsandthatpod.com. Uh, uh, Alice, thank you very much for joining me as ever. Pleasure as always, Josh, and thank you. Uh, and we'll see you next week. Cheerio. Bye.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 